Welcome to Call Jeshurun, a podcast from Temple B'nai Jeshurun, a vibrant and flourishing Reformed Jewish community in Short Hills, New Jersey. Welcome. I am Rabbi Matthew Gewertz. Call Jeshurun is where you can come to engage with teachings of relevant wisdom and music. You will hear from our clergy, staff, and guest speakers who will help bring meaning into a world that so badly needs it. If you would like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at tbj.org. everybody. So I have, uh, from growing up, a really, really close group of friends. We're all Jewish, and we know each other from a combination of school and temple and youth group and Jewish camp, and it's this group that's formed over our much younger years, uh, but has stayed really intact as we've all kind of grown up and dispersed to different cities around the country. And towards the end of the summer, my husband Jordan and I were visiting my hometown and spending time with this particular group. One friend uh, who I've lost a little bit of touch with but remains part of the crew is somebody who's extremely politically active, very progressive, and most relevantly, very anti-Zionist. So Jordan didn't know this. They'd only met once before, and it just wasn't on his radar. The night went on, one conversation led to another, and Jordan brought up a comment about Israel. And the comment itself was something that felt so casual, seemingly non-controversial, except that it was in direct conversation with this friend. The next thing he knew, uh, Jordan had a bruise on his leg from how hard I kicked him under the table. And this friend was explaining to him that she doesn't support Israeli companies because doing so upholds the occupation of Palestine, which, as you can imagine, led us down a bit of a rabbit hole. 
The problem for me in the moment was not the disagreement itself, as this isn't new. I have several friends and people I've come in touch with over the years who span the political spectrum on Israel and Zionism, and I've had interesting and productive dialogues with almost all of them. I've had rich conversations with many people since being in this job who are across the spectrum in both directions as well. The problem was is that it was 10 p.m. on a beautiful summer evening with friends I only see a couple times a year, and I just did not want to get into the conversation right then and there, not knowing where it would go. I'm imagining that I am not the only one who's been in a scenario kind of like this, or maybe more likely will be in the coming months. Over the last week alone, I've had four conversations with our members who are thinking about sitting at their Thanksgiving dinner tables, a place that's intended to be a time of gratitude and family and food and joy. But instead of anticipating all of that, they are worried about sitting with members of their own family because of what the conversations will be around Israel. As we begin to enter the holiday season as a whole, not just Thanksgiving, but visits with family and friends, holiday parties, other events, many of us are bound to sit around a table with someone who thinks differently than us about Israel, about the war, about anti-Semitism, about the media. And we are posed to ask the question, is the conversation even worth having? It's no secret or surprise that people in general don't support or advocate on behalf of the Jewish people. We've been talking about that for weeks at this point. We know that is a truth that we are dealing with, that Israel had sympathy for a few weeks at best before the media and the court of public opinion began to turn its back on the Jewish people. And it's hard wherever we see it. There's no question about that. But the harder part is when this conflict and the disagreements on the subject seeps beyond the public spaces and into our homes and our families and our friendships, reminiscent of wounds that may still be fresh from relationships damaged by maybe the 2016 or 2020 elections, prompting us once again to ask, is the conversation worth it? The pain when our Jewish community is polarized is excruciating, especially at a time when our strength comes from the very, this very community that we not only hope but expect will stand with us in times of crisis. So when it's within our own families or in our own groups of friends, all the more so when we feel like we just don't know if we can have the conversation. This division and the understanding that Jewish Americans is not a monolith is the reality of today. The traction and popularity of Jewish groups who are more and more skeptical and critical of Israel is growing and growing fast, most widely of those in the 18 to 29 age group. Though surveys aren't everything and surveys of the Jewish community only happen so often, the most recent 2020 Pew study found that at that point, one in 10 Jewish Americans, again, mostly but not all in that age group, support the BDS movement, 
the movement to boycott Israel, a number that is believed to be higher today a few years later. 10% is, of course, not a majority, but I would also argue that it's not nothing, especially when that contingency has an ever-growing, motivated, and energized presence that only amplifies its voices on social media and in the streets. Though the situation of this war has slightly different implications than the BDS movement as a whole, there are, of course, members of the Jewish community strongly supporting a ceasefire rather than supporting Israel's endeavor to continue fighting. Many who have this perspective fall in the younger and progressive demographic, though, again, not all. And it's this tension within families, largely the generational tension, that is polarizing, that is divisive, and has the potential to derail any family dinner because the temperature on this issue is just that high. Again, there are friends nervous to converse with one another. There are aunts nervous to see their nephews and grandparents worried about their grandchildren's perspectives. Even parents that are concerned about conversations with their own children. These are relationships that even if we wanted to retreat to our echo chambers, it's a place where it just might not be possible. At the very end of our Torah reading this week, we read a line that says, Abraham breathed his last breath and died in good old age and was gathered to his people. And his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah. I want us to keep in mind that the last time the Torah describes Isaac and Ishmael together was the day that Sarah had taken note of Ishmael, became protective of her son Isaac, and ordered Abraham to expel Hagar, which is Ishmael's mother, and Ishmael from their home. The last time they saw each other was that day. The Torah does not tell us of how Isaac and Ishmael came back together and what kind of contact they might have had in between those two moments, or if and how they reconciled. But we can only imagine from this that there was either a lot of work put in to get them together on the day of their dad's funeral, or there was not a lack of estrangement or disagreement between them, given the family history. But maybe their ability to come together against all odds of tension can inspire us as well. Rabbi Melissa Weintraub, who is the founder of the Resetting the Table program that we run here, preaches the importance of replacing rigidity with receptivity. It's a line I've said from this pulpit before and will likely say again. She says that the goal of these interactions with those who feel and think differently is to transform political disagreement into the source of strengthened relationships and collective insights. In other words, it's not possible to erase the political disagreements within a family or within the Jewish community, but what it is possible to do is create a space where a Thanksgiving table doesn't need to be toxic or tense, but one of cohesiveness and understanding and learning and discovery, even in the midst of differences, and societal conflict. 
And I want to be really clear here, because this is not to say that we need to find consensus with everybody who walks by on the street. We all have our hard lines. As Rabbi Gwertz said last week, there has to be a starting place for a conversation to start. Does Israel and do the Jewish people have a right to exist? Maybe that's the starting place. But once there is something that can lay a foundation of a conversation, an underlying value, an experience, or an existing strong relationship, there can be hope of where the conversation goes. There are a wide range of scholars and therapists and educators who are well into exploring just how we begin to speak across differences, specifically in the Jewish community and especially about Israel, knowing that the conversation is, in the end, essential to us becoming a stronger as one Jewish, as one Jewish people. And one suggestion of a way to approach this that I want to offer you this week comes from the book of Pirkei Avot, The Ethics of Our Ancestors. And it asks, what is an argument for the sake of heaven? In Hebrew, we call this machlokit l'shem shemaim. A medieval rabbinic commentator, the Sefer Emet, explains this as voicing one's own opinion, even when it may be at odds with others, causes people to rethink what they believe is correct. As such, it may disturb peace. It is, however, a particularly effective means of achieving one's potential. Each of us was created for the purpose of accomplishing something distinctive and special. However, participants in such a dispute must always bear in mind that one's individual contribution is only truly significant if it benefits the community. Taking note from our sages, we can of course continue to ask the question, is the conversation worth having? But what's maybe more important to ask is not, is it worth having, but what's the argument for? And that's a question that's maybe up to each of us. So as we enter the season of gathering, I pray that our tables be places where the conversations are ones of purpose, are ones of empathy, are ones of receptivity, and that our relationships only be strengthened as we work to find common ground and understanding of one another as we engage in an argument that we pray is for the sake of something larger than ourselves. Shabbat Shalom, everybody.
Thank you for listening to this edition of Call Jeshurun. If you would like to learn more, visit our website at tbj.org and follow us on social media for updates on all our upcoming opportunities for engagement. We hope to see you soon.